The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the seventh chapter. Jesus said, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. If there's one thing good I will say about McDonald's, it's that they have excellent coffee. I am a coffee drinker. I don't just like coffee. I like good coffee. And I'm picky because I don't drink coffee uh, just because I like the taste, but because I want to have the caffeine. And if it doesn't have enough caffeine, I'm grumpy. And sure, if it is too watery, I don't like it. But on trips, McDonald's is a staple for us. We'll go through the drive-thru just so I can get another cup of coffee for the leg. And we went to a few of them on our trip to Michigan a couple of weeks ago. And something struck me, and I've seen this before and noticed it a little more this time. Depending on which McDonald's you went to, it's not at every one, but at some of them you'd go to, and when you got up to the window, there was a little sign that said, the cost of your meal is this. And then it was there on a little digital uh, picture thing. If asked to pay an amount more than this, call this number. So that's what it said. And it's striking if you gave it a little thought. Because what the company, that McDonald's, is essentially doing is saying, we've had a problem with our employees stealing from the people at this window. <laughs> they have come to order a burger, and the burger costs $5. They get to the window, and without thinking about it, uh, they hear the person say, that'll be $6.50. They pay $6.50, drive away with their burger, and the employee pockets that $1.50, or whatever it is. So the company has put up that little sign, and they're putting up that sign, and it's essentially saying, the people that we pay to be good customer servants to you might be robbing you. They are admitting that the people that have the little M on their shirt might be stealing your money. They are admitting that fraud is possible in that situation. Well, that is what today in the church year is all about. That is what Trinity 8 is all about. Not about quarter pounders and the cost of them at McDonald's drive through but rather it is about being defrauded of your eternal soul. But today in this lessons, what the theme is, it's not as subtle as the thing at the McDonald's window. You have to kind of connect the dots to see what they're doing there. Today, if you were listening to the lessons, it's explicit. All three readings, Old Testament from Acts and the Gospel, say you might have people in the name of God tell you lies. You might have false prophets come to you and say, thus says the Lord, this is true, and they are making it up, they are lying to you. Now, all of this, of course, you know, should hopefully bring to mind in your minds the words of the small catechism to the second commandment. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. 
What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not curse, swear, use satanic arts, lie, or deceive by his name. We shouldn't lie or deceive by God's name. It's important that what we do as Christians, laity and pastors alike, is to tell the truth about God. Number one, first of all, if someone says, who is God and what has he done? We should make sure that what comes out of our mouth isn't our own idea. What comes out of our mouth isn't what we think they want to hear from us in that moment. But what comes out of our mouth is actually the truth. That in God's name we say what God has said. And in God's name we say what God has done. If somebody adds a dollar or two to your $6.99 value meal, well, and you pay it, you're out a dollar or two. That stinks, but it happens. But if somebody preaches to you a Jesus, different from the Jesus of the Bible, if somebody preaches to you a way of salvation, which is not the way of salvation which God has won and given and promised to us, that person who hears that and believes that has potential of being robbed of something far more valuable than a couple of American banknotes. I've said it before, you can be misled about certain things in life and it's not really that big of a deal. It's not all that serious. People can lie to you. People can manipulate you. People can take things from you. And yeah, it's annoying. It's frustrating. It might actually hurt your pocketbook in a way that's far bigger than a McDonald's window. But if you are misled about who God is, if somebody is misled about what God has done in Jesus Christ for the salvation of immortal souls, well, of course, the potential results are catastrophic indeed. And potentially even, yes, eternal, if it's gone to its end. Sometimes we mislead ourselves. We have in our mind's eye the thing that we want to hear, the thing that we think ought to be true, the way things ought to be, and we ourselves go after that. But other times, we are misled by other people. And the best ones that do it are the ones, as it says in the Gospel, who are wolves in sheep's clothing, as the saying goes. They don't look obviously dangerous. They don't look obviously bad, but indeed they are. They can have different motivations for why they do this, why they get up and they preach something different than God's Word. Some of them, they love the prestige. They want to be honored by the world so they would never say anything, yes, from a pulpit or anywhere else, really. It could be in conversation. They don't want to say things which would upset people that are not part of Christ's church because they want to be honored and thought well of them. Others, of course, just have the desire to be liked. They want people to like them. It is a temptation, of course. I speak from my own experience here. I don't want to give a sermon and have one of you say, I didn't like what he said. That really hit a sore spot for me. And to leave, you know, looking the other way instead of saying hi to me. I'm a human being just like you. I don't want that. It's a temptation. Other people will give a false doctrine or a false sermon or false ideas about God because it has results. It brings people in. People want to be told certain things and you kind of know that and then you, you give them. The reasons could be these or many other reasons. It doesn't matter. Just know that it happens. 
Know that it can happen. Know that it has happened. And know that until the Lord comes again, in many places, for many people, it will happen. And Jesus says to beware of it. He says, don't let your guard down. When someone says, God says this, God did this, don't just take it. Take it with a grain of salt. He said, beware. And more than being aware, he said, discern. Jesus said, be critical. Be critical of the people that speak to you in God's name. It's odd for me to get up here as a pastor and say, be critical of your pastor. But yes, that is precisely what I am saying here and now. Don't be critical according to worldly standards. Now, I want to qualify that. Be quite clear. Don't come in with a business model of, this is how business is a successful pastor, so you've got to do this to be successful. I'm just being critical, like you said, no. Many people are critical in that way. Haven't brought the numbers back. Okay. Other churches are doing better than we are. Why aren't you? Other churches have a lot more kids than we do. What's wrong with you? Us. Other churches have music, which is easier to sing, more entertaining that speaks to me. It matches what I hear on Christian radio. Other pastors, well, they leave me feeling more comfortable than your sermons do. You told me to be critical. I am being critical. And so on and so forth. Well, these are measures, but indeed they are not the right measures. Be critical of your pastor. Be critical of other pastors, of people that speak to you in God's name. But be critical according to good measures. Is what they are saying to you mesh, jive, fit with what God has said in his word? When they say, thus saith the Lord, can they back it up with the Bible? Think of it this way. For an example, you have a king who has a messenger. The messenger goes as a foreign emissary to another country, and he gives a message. Well, the king who he's talking to he might not like the message, but finally it doesn't matter. He needs to know, is this what the king that this messenger represents actually say, said, actually wants me to hear? That's finally the question. Is what is being said true or not, not likable or not, not agreeable or not, and so forth. And the second thing is, does the speaker in his life, as Jesus said in the gospel, does he bear fruit? Is he actually living like somebody that is speaking on behalf of the immortal and invisible God that made all things? Or does he look like a charlatan? Does he look like a hack that is in it for earthly glory, pleasure, and reward? Pastors do kind of complain to each other sometimes, I'm not going to lie, about the fishbowlness of this sort of work. Especially in a smaller community, it's true. You can't really hide like you can in the suburbs. People know what's going on in the pastor's household. His family is sort of, to a degree, on display. But what Jesus is saying here is that's actually not entirely bad. What goes on in the pastor's household concerns you insofar as it's an indicator of whether or not he has his household in order, which God says, the Lord says, through Paul, is a qualification for being a pastor. A pastor's family is the fruit of his life and doctrine. If that family doesn't line up with how God says it should be, well, that does indeed raise a red flag. And I'm going to regret preaching this sermon if Nathan misbehaves in church next week. But indeed it is true. 
If these things pass, the mustard, the pastor's words, the prophet's words, or just the person's words, the teacher's words mesh with the Bible, and if, if his life bears godly and good fruit, then you as Christians, you as hearers, can add a hearty amen and say, this is true. What he says matches God's word. His life looks like he is indeed a man of God. And then you can in turn listen. You can listen, accept, and apply all that you are being told and do it faithfully. All of us here will stand before the Lord. Each one of us in turn. We will be judged by him. Indeed, there will be the separation that we will hear of more at the end of the Trinity season. These warnings are coming, and they are here now. So let us be ready. Let us ever be ready, you as Christians, all of us as Christians, you as laity, me as a pastor, everybody that bears the name of Christ, let us keep close watch of the doctrine that we preach, that we hear, that we believe, of the lives that we live. So that when we stand before the Lord, we will not hear the words, depart from me, I never knew you, but rather come, enter into the rest of your master. May God grant us the help this day and every day for the rest of our lives, so that we may have that crown at the end. In Jesus' name, amen.